Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Here's the question of the day. Do you feel lonely? Well, a new study shows you are not alone. (laughs) In fact, most of us feel lonely. It's an epidemic. And the younger you are, the more lonely you feel. And I um, believe, in my opinion, it's because Uh, the younger that people are, the less likely they were or to have been raised uh, in the simpler, friendlier times that existed uh, before. In other words, you know, like in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, as as we've come to today, times have gotten more complicated and more um, fraught with fears, things to fear, from terrorism to the economy to, um, you know, yes, I, I know what you're thinking. You could say, well, there was the First World War and the Second World War, but nobody had touched our land. Nobody had touched the soil of the U.S. Um, well, there was, <laughs> there was Hawaii. There was Pearl Harbor, of course. But other than that, after that, 9-11. So we have that. Uh, we are feeling more um, vulnerable and there are many other things going on in our lives that are, make it much more complicated. Um, so the younger you are, the less likely you are to have had this, these times, been alive during these times when life was less complicated and friendlier. Now there is too much divisiveness, too many haters, and they are making us or we are making ourselves sick mentally and physically. So why do we feel so lonely? Um, I'm going to get into this in a little more detail now. First of all, you would think that this would be the least likely thing for us to be feeling because we are attached to our gizmos 24-7, attached to our cell phones, attached to our computer, attached to Alexa, you know, (laughs) which is gives me the creeps. I will never have Alexa or its similar counterparts in my life, um, of course, I said that about Twitter that I wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna join Twitter, and now I'm obsessed with it. Um, if you want to go to my Twitter account, it's at Dr. Carol M D at D R C A R O L E M D. So I, I guess one shouldn't say ne- one should never say never, but the idea of having something, some device in my house that can hear me and um, act on what I'm saying. And when we know that there are people uh, attached to that on the other end who are listening so that they can sell you things and, and your privacy is not your own. I think, it's, I, I think people who have, who have Alexa in their homes are nuts for, um, in a general sense, of course, I'm not diagnosing you, but I think it is a very dangerous thing to have because you are totally giving away your privacy. And in this world... That is hard enough to keep. In any case, we're attached to all these gizmos 24-7, so you would think that the last thing that we would feel is lonely. But in fact, in some ways, um, it's because we are attached and it's because of these gizmos that um, we are feeling more lonely because that is not human contact. Also, there are more single households than ever, And that has to do with the problems that we have with intimacy. Again, the younger you are, the more likely you will be to have had divorced parents. And divorce leaves scars on children. Whatever age you were when your parents got divorced, that left scars on you that make you, consciously or unconsciously, afraid of getting into an intimate relationship with a, a love relationship, an intimate relationship with a husband or a wife or a partner of some sort because you're afraid that you're going to be hurt in the way that you saw your mother and or father be hurt. And that just seems too scary. So that is how we got to the uh, age of 
hookups and sexting and um, the you know with with um, with men it isn't a big departure. I mean, it is to never have men been as afraid of intimacy as they are today, and never have women been be never have women been as afraid of intimacy as they are today. But women try to pretend that they can be just like men and they can have sex, they can have one-night stands, and if the guy doesn't call in the morning, it doesn't matter. They're cool. They're, you know, um, this, is, this, this is how things are done these days. We, well, first of all, it's done with, uh, primarily with dating uh, through apps and the Internet and so on, and which is, you know, so impersonal to begin with. Um, and then you just, you, you just uh, go from one to the next, and, and, you know, some people, I mean, there are even apps, as you well know, most of you, I, I'm sure, um, there are even apps where they make no pretense about what you're looking for. That you're just, if you go to that app, um, you're, you're looking for a hookup, a one-night stand. So, you know, this is, this is sad. This is really um, not love. I mean, yes, do some people meet the person that they then fall in love with on, on the Internet or on apps, absolutely, but not when they're just looking for sex. So that has, um, that has changed. Dating, there is no such thing uh, today as dating, or it certainly is not in the same form that it once was in. No courtship um, for, for most people. It, it, it has just taken all the, the warmth and the fun and the love out of out of coupling, out of, you know, dating and getting married. And so we feel more lonely in that. I mean, you know, um, guys and girls, when you wake up in the morning from this thing that was supposed to be a hookup and you realize, no, (laughs) you don't want to be with this person for the rest of your life, there's kind of a, a sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. You can't wait till they get out of there because it's embarrassing. It's awkward, you know. I mean, women typically will say, so are you going to call me or when will you call me or when, can I, when will we go out next? Something like that. And, uh, or if they don't, they're pretending that they don't want that uh, unless they have a horrible, horrible time. But, um, and so it's all this pretense, uh, pretend relationships. And so, you know, that makes us feel more lonely. And then, of course, one of the biggest things is how we are being driven apart by the media, the um, you know television and radio and podcasts and and um, all kinds of print, all kinds of media, uh, the internet, of course, um, and by by stories in the media that um, divide us. We are so divided, whether it's because of politics, racism. The Me Too movement, there, it has never been more of a war between men and women than there are today. Um, and a lot of this, you know, we read about every morning when we wake up and we go to our newspaper, we go to the Internet, wherever we turn on the radio, wherever we, uh, the television, wherever we hear our news, first thing, we are bombarded right away with this divisiveness. Which side are you on? Do you like Trump or don't you like Trump? That's the biggest thing that divides us. Um, never before in the history of this country has uh, there been so much divisiveness after an election. Um, you know, of course, during the campaigns, it's only natural that there would be, uh, you know, people would be for one candidate or the other, and it's all this uh, excitement up until the election day and so on. And even to some degree, um, till the um, till the person go, go actually goes in, takes office. But this uh, this the pitch of this, uh, the pitch of the anger, the rage between two parties, or particularly from the party that did not vote for Trump, um, is just is just palpable every day. It is is it is at such a height, and so. So half the country is divided from the other half. And then, of course, you add in other things, like I was saying, like, like racism and the war between the sexes and Me Too and all of that. 
Um, and so you're going to find yourself, and I'm sure you, you, you know what I'm talking about, you have found yourself um, sometimes agreeing with your friends and relatives about things. Uh, there are, in other words, there are some things that you agree with your friends and relatives about, and there are some things that you disagree with them about, and it has caused a, a divide, a feeling of separateness, a feeling of isolation, a feeling of, um, you know, even if you still love your relatives and you still love your friends, it, it has caused you're not as close as you once were if you are feeling some strong uh, topic or topics of division. And um, that is a very sad thing. And not to mention, you know, one of the things that never fails to astound me, and I'm sure you've seen this, is how um, when you look on the, on the Internet uh, for news articles and you read, read a news article that may not have to do with politics or racism or Me Too or anything, any other kind of um, lightning rod subject that... Uh, that you know you're very likely to feel divisive on it. it could be it could be just some some nice little story you know uh, about something benign and then you see comments below it that get into these divisive subjects even though they have nothing to do whatsoever with the benign subject in the article people just hate get into hate right away you know Usually it starts with politics, but it, it, there are other things too. And, and, and even just getting nasty toward the subject in the article when they did nothing wrong <laughs> and there's nothing really to get nasty about. There's no particular um, uh, you know, p- opinion that is expressed. It's just it, it, it's something totally benign. And, um, and yet right away, I mean, people are just looking for a fight. They just put something in the comments that, that starts a fight that, as I said, may have and usually has nothing to do with the actual article itself. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're going down the tubes here, <laughs> um, and, and there is a study to prove it. There is a new study that just came out today, in fact, that says Americans are, are a lonely lot and young people bear the heaviest burden. So it's, it, this study that has just been done of, of 20,000 people on the Internet, 20,000 adults were just surveyed, and it, um, it has come out that nearly 50% of respondents report that they feel alone or left out Always or sometimes, you know those kinds of tests where you, uh, you, know, you start off never, um, rarely, sometimes, often, uh, always. So this is nearly 50% that report being lonely, feeling alone, left out, always or sometimes. And they describe loneliness as more like a chronic ache than something that... Um, comes sort of abruptly or acutely, you know, we may be more aware of feeling lonely at different times in the day than other times, but you know that kind of nagging feeling of just, just not feeling included, uh, feeling left out. And um, the 54% of the people who were surveyed said that they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. 56% reported they sometimes or always feel like the people around them are not necessarily with them. Now, you know, that could be they're literally with them, um, connected to them, or with them in these opinions, or both. Two in five people felt like they are isolated from others, they lack companionship, and their relationships aren't meaningful. You know, we all think we have, we count, there's a competition for how many friends you have on the, on the, online, how many followers you have online, um, but how many of these relationships are really meaningful and how many of these friends are really your friends? The average loneliness score in America is 44, 
which means that most Americans are considered lonely. Now, the significance of this, this is not just uh, a little quiz, <laughs> Uh, you know, like in Cosmo or something, but there are significant uh, res- significant consequences of loneliness. There are health consequences, mental and physical health consequences, and these. Um, and this is why why I'm talking to you about this today, because we have to each do something about this. You know, the, because we're just getting further and further and further apart more and more lonely, and these consequences are going to shorten our life. In fact, that's one of the things that that this uh, survey found. The more lonely you are, the higher risk of coronary heart disease and stroke you have. It also can influence our genes and our immune systems and our recovery from cancer, such as breast cancer. There's growing evidence that lonely can literally kill. And in fact, they found that their um, loneliness causes an increased risk for premature mortality. It's a predictor of premature death, not just for the elderly, but even more so for younger people. And um, again, this is affecting the younger generation more than older generations, loneliness does. And so we'll I'll be talking more about this I, I, when we come back. I need to take a break. We need to take a break now. Um, but I will be talking to you more about loneliness, its impact, and some of the examples from the latest headlines that alienate us from each other. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about this new study that just came out today, in fact, uh, about loneliness, showing that we are lonelier than ever. So you are not alone in thinking that you feel lonely, if that's a help. Um, There are, I was reading to you some of the percentages that the uh, people scored on this study, uh, that was done of 20,000 Americans and answering questions about loneliness and feeling uh, left out and so on. And here are, here, listen to these statistics. Depending upon when you were born, 
there is a different, um, you have a higher risk or your, or more, a higher percentage of people in these age, age groups. Or start, I'm going to tell you the percentage of people in each of the age groups who report that they feel alone or left out, um, always or sometimes. So if you are in Generation Z, born between the mid-1990s and the early 2000s, you have an overall loneliness score of 48.3. If you are a millennial, your loneliness score is um, a little better. That is, you're a little less lonely, but still, still not so great, 45.3. Baby boomers scored 42.4, and what's called the greatest generation, people aged 72 and above, score 38.6 on the loneliness scale. So, as I was saying at the beginning of the show, the older that you are, the less likely you are to feel lonely, and that has to do with how your early years or when your early years were spent and whether it was at a time that was more um, friendly and warmer and secure than um, it has become in the subsequent years. Now, um, there's, also, there's also a correlation in this study between working too little or too much, and that is associated, both of those are associated with increased loneliness. Hmm. <laughs> For all you workaholics out there. Um, now, I was saying before about the different causes of loneliness, and one of them, the major one, is how we are... Uh, barraged every day by things that divide us, news that divides us, issues in our society that divide us. And, of course, the number one such issue that we uh, hear about in the media and we see online um, and we get faced with, uh, you know, in our daily life. I mean, you know, have you, has this happened to you where you're talking to someone about some topic, whether it's Trump or something else um, in, in society, and you think that, you, that they are going to feel about it the same way that you did, and then you're talking, and all of a sudden you realize, oops, <laughs> nope, they don't have the same uh, opinion about that. And uh, then you sort of backpedal uh, to try, if you want to keep your friendship or want to keep your job, you backpedal to try to not... Uh, get that person either to try to hide that you were going to say uh, that you feel the opposite or to, if you've already spilled the beans, to say that, uh, to sort of backpedal and, and act like it really doesn't matter as much to you. Or maybe you go ahead and you, you tell them why um, you feel that way. And certainly Trump, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, that is um, the key thing that is dividing America, still dividing America even after the elections. So one of the things um, that is happening in regard to Trump these days in terms of headlines, Stormy Daniels. Now, it's interesting because actually um, that, it, it, that is something that, uh, well, it makes me really irate. And, yes, I did vote for Trump, and I still uh, support him. But whether you are a Trump supporter or not, this is actually an issue that, you know, just the name Trump <laughs> sends some people into a tizzy. But as far as Stormy Daniels, there is a little more, um, what, a little more leeway than some other issues like immigration or, uh, you know, the wall or um, just other things. Um, but I think a lot of people do realize that Stormy Daniels isn't good for America altogether, whether you voted or liked Trump or not, because her uh, insistent, endless claim for her 15 minutes that have long ended, <laughs> she has uh, long passed the <laughs> use-by date, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny when you think about what she does. I know, that's awful. I'm <laughs> oh, I do not like Stormy Daniels, okay, because she is distracting Trump from things that are a lot more important to this country, like, for example, 
his meeting, upcoming meeting with Kim Jong-un, you know, that's a little more important. And the May 12th deadline that's coming up um, about uh, the Iran deal. So these are both of those things, you know, talking about nuclear weapons heading in our direction. I think that that is a lot more important than whatever Stormy Daniels has to say. And really, the thing that really gets me angry is that she went on national television and she admitted, well, first of all, Trump is still denying that the sex happened, but even if it happened, um, she admitted that it was uh, consensual. So it's not like she's claiming that he raped her or assaulted her or did anything like that. She seems quite proud, in fact, (laughs) of the fact that she seduced him, if, in fact, that is the case, but... Uh, regardless, so here she is. She has a one lawsuit against him. Uh, she is trying to claim that the non-disclosure agreement that she signed and when she received $130,000, she's claiming that that is void because Trump didn't sign it. Now, um, if, if indeed she loses that suit, she is going to be in deep trouble because um, there were so many times that um, she did uh, break that disclosure um, that, that, in fact, uh, you know, if she, if she would get sued for each time that she, that she broke the nondisclosure agreement uh, and she talked about Trump and she talked about their alleged sexual uh, Incident, whatever, to call, whatever to, uh, she wants to call it, um, and so so she would be in trouble. But in the meantime, that suit has been put on hold for ninety days, pending a federal criminal investigation into Attorney Cohn's business dealings. So this suit was was put on hold. So what does she do? She finds some. Uh, she and her attorney find some other way to get into the news to keep their faces and and names in the news. She has now sued him uh, for defamation in regard to the claim that she made about being accosted in a Las Vegas parking lot with her infant daughter by a man who told her, leave Trump alone, forget the story, and that's a beautiful little girl. It would be a shame if something happened to her mom. Now, I don't know if that happened or not. I mean, she came up with some picture so far, there hasn't been anyone uh, that they have reported who replied to that as recognizing the man in the picture. But even if, it was, even if a man really did say that to her, there is no way to prove that this man had anything or was sent by Trump. You know, it could be a Trump supporter who um, didn't appreciate her claims about Trump. Uh, of course, this was in 2011 that this happened. Um, but still, I mean, you know, he was in, in the public eye then, um, you know, that the incident happened uh, in the parking lot in Las Vegas was uh, supposedly in 2011. But, um, but it, had, it could well have had nothing to do with Trump other than this person uh, supported him and didn't want her distracting him, saying bad things about him, whatever. Okay, another current headline about Trump. Uh, This one is more divisive. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin, as you will remember, did this horrible, horrible thing. Again, whether you like Trump or not. Now, it's it's interesting, actually, um, although this one is a little more divisive than the Stormy Daniels one, but still, she she had a picture taken with herself holding a head, you know, of Trump, uh, beheaded a beheaded Trump, um, well, the head part of the beheading, and, um, and she had uh, ketchup to make it look like blood, and she had her picture taken, and of course the picture went viral, and she it got all over television as well, all over the media. And, um, and she was very much roundly uh, disapproved of for that. That also at the time, you know... Um, there was some crossover of divisiveness. I think a lot of people could see that that was just a horrible thing to do, regardless of who you were doing it to, um, particularly because 
Baron Trump um, supposedly may have seen it uh, or could see it in the future, certainly. It's still on the Internet. And uh, Melania saw it, and his other, the rest of his family saw it. And, um, and then, so what did she do? She, and she apologized at some point, although I said at the time that her apology was not sincere and that um, she was just saying it because she was, a lot of people distanced themselves from her, uh, you know, uh, dates and clubs to, for her comedian, her comic uh, presentations, her, her sessions, whatever you call it. Um, they, they canceled her. And so, so you know, her, her career was very much in jeopardy at the time, and so that was the main reason why she apologized. And so now, however, she just recently went on The View, and she seemed to forget or not care that she was on morning television when she dropped the F-bomb several times and cursed throughout her appearance. And she had to have her mic cut for all of these uh, inappropriate things that she was saying. Uh, I mean, things you're not, not inappropriate because it was about Trump, but things you are, there are certain things you're not allowed to say on television, the F word being one of them. Um, and she took back her apology. And um, the, the incident with the mask, the, the head, was in 2017. And she took back her apology and she said, yeah, I take the apology back. Uh, F him and Don Jr. and Eric, or as I call them, Eddie Munster and date rape. I'm not holding back on this family. This president is different. And I have been through the mill, and so now I'm back on the road. I sold out Carnegie Hall in less than 24 hours. Now, that's a pretty sad um, commentary on our society that she, people have been so ready to forgive her and that she sold out Carnegie Hall, if it's true, in, in less than 24 hours. So um, she continued, she, she explained that she apologized because uh, she thought about that, that the photos could be offensive to people like the family of Daniel Pearl. Now, Daniel Pearl, as you may remember, was the Wall Street Journal writer who was murdered by terrorists in 2002 uh, by beheading. So, so that's her story, um, and you know that's pretty sad. Now, then we have another uh, interesting headline, new headline. These are all these are all like in today's headlines. Um, rapper with ties to Snoop Dogg issues Crip Alert for Kanye West. Now, <laughs> here here you can be divided in a number of ways. What do you think about Kanye West? What do you think about Snoop Dogg? What do you think about gangs like the Crips? And, of course, what do you think about Trump? So um, a California rapper named Daz Dillinger uh, ordered local gang members to attack Kanye West over his support for President Donald Trump. Now, Daz Dillinger is a cousin of Snoop Dogg, and he issued a Crip alert for gang members in an Instagram video. And he said, yo, national alert, all the Crips out there, y'all F Kanye up. Crips, um, better, not, better not ever see you in concert. Better not ever see you around California. He's talking about Kanye West, of course. Stay in Calabasas, you hear me? Because we got a Crip alert for Kanye. All the Crips out there, you see him bang on his ass, F his ass up. Now, and, of, and why? Because Kanye has not made a secret about his support of Trump. But now this is going to be dividing people in a lot of different ways because some people who might not like Trump uh, might like Kanye West or might not like him or might like or not like Snoop Dogg or may just be offended, like I am, by the idea that somebody would tell a, a gang to um, F somebody up. Um, I mean, you know, Kanye, he presumably has added lots of security, but this is not a good state to be in because the Crips do not kid around. 
so, you know, it's just getting, it's getting so confusing. Like, what if you like Kanye, but you hate Trump? Um, so do you worry about Kanye, or do you think, oh, well, good. He, you know, he deserves what he gets because he was supporting Trump. Then we have recently the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where a comedian, Michelle Wolf, uh, went on the stage. She was the entertainment, and she delivered a hate-filled rant towards Trump, towards Vice President Pence, towards Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and Kellyanne Conway. Now, you know, people who don't like those people <laughs> uh, might think that might be happy that she did this, but she went over the top. You know, there are going to be a lot of people who maybe don't like Trump, but they think that some of the things that she said, which hit below the belt, I mean, yes, a roast is a roast, but she really took it too far. Um, she, you know, she, she uh, talked about these, the, the appearances, the appearance of, of Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, for example, um, it, they were very mean-spirited, and they, they really went below the belt, beneath what is typically uh, seen as a roast at this meeting. And um, a lot of people were horrified, even if they did, even if they, you know, laughed and thought some of these things um, about Trump and the White House were funny. It was just, it was tacky. It was, it was... Um, it was just another example of how our society is, is getting very coarse. Well, at that, I will uh, take another break. When we come back, we'll hear more examples of what is making us feel estranged from each other, the, head, the current headlines that are happening. Uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about this new study that came out that showed that most of us are feeling lonely, feeling left out. Uh, it is an epidemic in America. And I'm talking about some of the reasons why we feel so lonely and uh, talking now about the headlines that are dividing us and surprising us when we find out that people we, our friends, our family, people who uh, are our coworkers, 
um, people who we thought we knew <laughs> as far as what opinions they might have on certain subjects, we sort of walk into a mess when we um, assume, <laughs> assume we know. So I'm talking about some of the headlines that, um, that are particularly divisive, and I'm just going to do one more about Trump, and then I'll give you some examples of other of today's headlines that um, divide us. So the most serious one about Trump that divides us is the, um, the special counsel Robert Mueller and his um, investigation. And the latest news about that is because, um, you know, Trump says that it's a witch hunt, and there are a lot of us who do believe it is a witch hunt. And then there are other people who keep hoping, <laughs> keep hoping that Mueller is going to find something uh, that Trump did wrong. So what happened today is that there, uh, somebody, some, why they never know who these people are, I don't know, but somebody leaked to the New York Times the list of questions that Robert Mueller plans, planned, I don't know if he's going to keep asking these questions now that they were leaked, but this is what he had in mind to ask President Trump if he, when he, if he got him into, got him to talk to him. I mean, that has been kind of up in the air. So, um, so, the, so Trump had to say, you know, I mean, again, regardless of what party you belong to or whether you like or not, don't like Trump, you still should find it morally reprehensible that there is all this leakage going on in our government. I mean, yes, you know, we, we do want transparency to an extent, but when there are things that compromise our national security, uh, there has to be a line somewhere. So Trump reacted to this leak to the Times by, by tweeting, <laughs> so disgraceful that the questions concerning the Russian witch hunt were leaked to the media. No questions on collusion oh, I see, you have made up phony crime collusion that never existed and an investigation begun with illegally leaked classified information. Nice. So, that's, uh, that's, that's enough for Trump. That's enough to divide us <laughs> for, uh, the, for the next uh, <laughs> endless amount of time about Trump. Okay, so let's talk about something else, another issue that is dividing us. And I, quite frankly, um, I, I guess I was naive about this until someone straightened me out, and um, I then realized that this is something that is divisive. Silly me, when I found out yesterday, and I tweeted about this, about how Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu um, made, did a press conference talking about and show, showing proof that Iran has not been stopped by the Iran deal from prolifer proliferating nuclear weapons. They have been continuing. And Netanyahu, um, you know, clearly uh, Israel has been doing a lot of uh, continuing uh, intelligence seeking. <laughs> I don't want to say well, spying, whatever. Uh, thank God for that, because um, apparently no one else has been able to get to this information. And the information is that, what I just said, Iran has been, hasn't been abiding by the Iran deal and has been continuing to progress in their um, search for ever better nuclear weapons. So, you know... What I thought that everybody would be very happy about that. You know, I tweeted um, something like, uh, you know, that, uh, that he found this, he's, there's proof, and we really owe a debt of gratitude to Israel for uh, doggedly pursuing the truth. Well, apparently, not everyone agrees with me. There are some people who don't want to believe that Netanyahu has the proof, and also, some people are, are um, clinging to this, latching on to this, as a way to be more anti-Semitic, to say that, uh, um, you know, that what, that Israel is making this up, um, that we should, that, and that it's okay for, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> there are some people who are saying 
and I find this really, really sickening and hard to believe, that there are people who are saying that Iran should have nuclear weapons, even though Iran has not made any bones about the fact that they plan on using their nuclear weapons um, to, on Israel and on the United States and on the West. It's not just Israel that they have threatened boldly, brazenly, made it quite clear that they want to wipe Israel off the map. But do you think it's just Israel? They want to wipe America off the map as well. So one would think, and the West, and one would think that America and the West would be happy that someone is continuing to do the more investigation and finding this proof that, uh, that, uh, that Iran has not stopped, despite what they signed in this agreement. So um, the European Union, led by the diplomatic chief Federica, Federica Mogherini, um, said that uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't necessarily believe that uh, Netanyahu has this proof, and she is saying that Iran is complying with its nuclear commitments. Um, I wonder how much sleuthing about this she has done. None. Um, she is saying that um, she is not going to believe it until she hears it from the International Atomic Energy Agency, uh, IAEA, who is supposed to be impartial, uh, an international organization that's in charge of monitoring Iran's nuclear commitments. Well, they don't seem to have been doing a great job if, in fact, uh, Netanyahu has proof, which, you know, really, do you think he would say uh, in no uncertain terms that he has uh, documents and so on that prove this? If he didn't, I mean, that would be um, suicide. So you can bet that he does have such proof. But the European Union and their leaders do not want to believe this. So this deal, um, the uh, JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, that's the better known as the Iran deal, Signed by Obama, who I think has sold our country out um, during all of his years in office. Um, this deal, which was signed by Iran, the U.S., Britain, China, France, Germany, and Russia, and in it, uh, Tehran agreed to curb its nuclear program in exchange for the lifting of crippling economic sanctions. And the date that um, the U.S. has, well, or that anybody for that matter has, to withdraw from this deal is May 12th. So it's coming up. This is the next deadline for waiving Iranian sanctions. So, um, so with this deadline coming up, you know, the idea that people just want to blindly believe that Iran has been good. I mean, I certainly was one who was against the Iran deal from the beginning because there was, you cannot trust Iran who has vowed in public, not secretly, not, you know, in their little secret meetings, but in public, in the media, um, to, to destroy Israel, destroy the West, America included. Um, you think they're kidding? So we really have to um, take these things more seriously. Then there are other things going on uh, similarly on this, um, on this anti-Semitic uh, <laughs> issue. There is a teacher in, the, in Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland who has been telling his class, he's an American history teacher, his name is Greg Pittman, and he has told his class that Kyle Kashev um, who is the one who is more reasonable in terms of guns, what he says. Um, he is not for banning guns as David Hogg is and some of the other people who have, um, the other students who have gathered or the little clique around David Hogg. Um, and so this teacher has told his class, in open class, that um, Kyle Kashev is a Nazi, that he is like Hitler. Um, let me see the quote. Um, he said that um, they talked about how he, how he was the Hitler type, 
how um, all different three students have talked to the media and said that they heard what he said. I mean, obviously, it was the whole class. But anyhow, comparing Kyle to Hitler. And Kyle pointed out in a tweet after that, my grandfather was one of the only survivors of the Holocaust out of his entire family. And now a teacher is calling me the next Hitler because I have different political views. Well, I think um, that says it all, that we are... Um, that people are have no boundaries anymore will go further than um, further than is decent um, for, and stupid. This, this teacher is now being investigated um, after after he said this in open class, and so he's in deep trouble as he should be. But you know we are like we have lost whether it's cursing on the view or um, telling a gang to go after Kanye West. and Not that Kanye West is my favorite person, but I certainly don't believe that um, gangs should be provoked to kill him. Uh, so, so we are just, we, we're, we're lost. We, we, are, we have become lost in terms of human decency. And to sort of round up what I'm talking about today, we have become lost from each other. The, all of this divisiveness has made us feel lonely and cut off from each other. We can't trust each other. We don't know what each other... Because, because it's not just keeping opinions to yourself. And, and I believe that people, you know, certainly, certainly over the years, um, I express my opinion in the media about various topics. Um, so I'm, it's not going to be like the pot calling the kettle black, but... but not to the point of telling people to kill other people or cursing or just um, forgetting about human decency. And that is the part that is different and that we all need to ask ourselves what we are willing to do, how far we are willing to go to make our point and to spread hate. And this is, this is really destroying America. So thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 